Hello, my praying people. You are listening to the Prayer Clinic Podcast, and I'm Leanne McCoy, your host. On this podcast, we're going to unpack the mystery of prayer. Along the way, your faith will be strengthened and your relationship with Christ will be taken to new levels. Prayer is the most powerful tool we have as believers, but far too few of us know where to even begin in exercising and using this powerful tool. Let's take this journey together and experience what happens when we pray. Hello, my friends. We are at the end of May, and I promised you a month full of messages specifically for mothers. I um, started this month with an amazing interview with Chris Adams and her daughter, Alicia Neighbors, and they shared such a neat God story about how the Lord had brought them through a season of um, really a prodigal season. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and catch that interview with Chris and Alicia. And then I also shared with you um, another message for mothers that had to do with letting go. And um, we learned how to put our babies in those baskets and trust them to the Lord rather than um, having to be the one taking on the sole responsibility of making sure that they get where they need to go. And of course, with that story of Moses, we know that God knows better and is actually better able to do for our children what we cannot do. So I wanna wrap up this month by giving you another message from my Mother's Day archives. This one comes from a message I shared at Thompson Station Church in 2008. So let's see, what is it now, 2021? That is a lot of years of being the Mother's Day gift at Thompson Station Church for our mothers when Tom invited me to deliver the message on Mother's Day Sunday morning. And I remember especially when this opportunity first came my way of being a little bit overwhelmed actually by it. I can speak all over the place, but to speak to your own people on Mother's Day is a bit daunting of a task and um, feeling, of course, uh, not only overwhelmed, but incredibly blessed to get to have that opportunity. And um, as I was reflecting on some of those messages, picking out something to share with you on this week's podcast to kind of wrap this month up, I'm also amazed that here I am, um, well, maybe not 20 years, but almost 20 years later, uh, I guess it's more like 12, 15 or so. Don't don't judge me on my math. I'm not doing that too good right now. <laughs> but I also was amazed at how much um, the content of this particular message continues to speak to this mama heart today. So I don't know if um, your mama heart is where my mama heart is, but I do know that if you have children, you certainly have a heart for them. And it's my prayer that this message will encourage you. Before I get into it, though, um, and I've just titled it A Mother's Love, but before I get into it, I want to share with you about um, what's coming up in June and what we're going to be doing this summer. 
about mid-June, I am launching a project with two uh, dear friends who together, oh my goodness, we are having so much fun. But those friends are Jackie Garner with A Pastor's Wife Life podcast, The Pastor Wife Life podcast, and then um, my friend Diane Nix who, with The Contagious Joy for Him. She does a podcast called Coffee and Chats. And both of these women have super great ministries with pastor's wives. And um, even though my ministry isn't exactly directed toward pastor's wives, as you all well know, that my ministry is more directed toward prayer leaders in the church and um, prayer in general. But many of you are pastor's wives and many of you are women who listen to this podcast. And I know you're going to love what we're doing this summer, but the three of us are going to dive into some solid teaching on spiritual warfare. We are calling our um, lessons, they're going to be a series of seven. We're calling it Five Smooth Stones, and we're talking about being armed and dangerous. I cannot wait. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'll be sharing a lot of content from both of my spiritual warfare books, Spiritual Warfare for Women and spiritual warfare for your family. I want to encourage you if you're interested in learning more about spiritual warfare or if you just want some good summer reading that might be a little heavier than some of the fiction that we take to the beach or, or read poolside. <laughs> but if you want to do that, check out uh, those books, Spiritual Warfare for Women, Spiritual Warfare for Your Family. And please don't miss these fun conversations that Diane, Jackie, and I are going to have together beginning on June 17. I'll be telling you more about that as we go forward, but that's going to be kind of our summer focus. It'll be airing on um, the Prayer Clinic podcast, Coffee and Chats with Diane Nix, and the Pastor Wife Life podcast. So we're looking forward to um, becoming syndicated. That's what I'm saying we're doing, becoming syndicated. Anyway, with, um, with that said, let me jump in to just this lesson that I'm going to share with you. Once again, please forgive me at the points that it sounds like I'm reading. Um, I, I kind of am because I'm sharing with you notes from my archives from Mother's Day messages that I have delivered in the past at Thompson Station Church. Father, first of all, I just want to pray and thank you for the privilege of getting to be a mother. God, I thank you for these gifts that keep on giving. <laughs> and I do want to lift up anyone who um, is infertile and doesn't have children yet. She may feel way better after she uh, hears enough from us who, who do have children. But I do remember what it was like to be that infertile woman and wanting to have children so desperately. And so, Lord, right now, I'm just praying for those infertile women. I'm asking that you would put babies in every arm that desires them, that you would put children in the arms of those who desire them. And, Lord, um, I'm asking that you would just um, anoint the teaching of your word as we uh, open the Bible today and um, dig deep into the scripture in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, a woman who begged. Father, we thank you for this opportunity and this platform to be able to share your truths boldly and to hear them and be inspired by them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when I went to the hospital to give birth to my daughter, my first child, Michael, I heard my husband say to the nurse, the attending nurse, 
How far or how high have you ever seen that mark go when a woman was pushing? And I knew right away that I needed to be afraid of where this conversation was going. He was looking at the monitor that measured or drew pictures of your contractions. And mine was looking like a graph presented to the board of directors um, mapping the sale of corn chips over the southeastern United States over the last six months. And Amy, my nurse, replied, well, I don't know, I guess about right there. And she pointed to a line slightly above corn chip sales in July. Now, my good husband has a competitive spirit. And if anybody's listening to this podcast who goes to my church and knows my good husband, who happens to be their good pastor, you guys know that when I say he's competitive, it's not just a little bit. Like you are laughing right now because you know how competitive he is. And um, I knew that when he asked this question, that it was loaded. And so the next time that the contractions came, Tom, Mr. Competition himself, starts hollering, push, Leanne, you can do it. You can go higher. Push. Nobody can push like you can. You can do it. And if you had been in that delivery room, you would have thought that we were in the birthing babies pushing event at the Pan American Games. So in obedient response, push, I did for another 45 minutes. It was 11.30 p.m. Enter Dr. Groudon. How are we doing? We? Fine, just fine. I've survived four months of the worst nausea of my life. I ate my weight in fruits and vegetables, pasta and sweets. I quit eating sweets just prior to the holidays to keep from going overboard with the weight gain. I faithfully jogged, then walked and swam to keep my body in shape. I attended all those inconvenient childbirth classes, even though I apparently slept through the pushing part. And I stepped on those dreaded scales every time I went to your office. Then I lay still while you poked and prodded. I only winced a little when they blew up my vein while inserting the needle for the IV, and I prayed through the dreaded epidural. Now I've been pushing for an hour and a half. How am I doing fine? Just fine. Of course I'm fine. And although I'd already defeated, more than defeated, any other woman in the pushing competition, Michael didn't seem any closer to her goal of entry into this world. The tears started to flow. Tom, I can't. I can't. I can't push anymore. She just won't come. And of course, you know that our delivery stories cannot possibly end there. And with a few more great efforts, Michael Lauren McCoy came into this world. It was 12.08 a.m., March 12, 1992. And in contrast to the Pan American Games pushing event, suddenly my stadium grew quiet. Michael squirmed into this great, big, scary, wonderful world. And I watched her every move. She was perfect in every way. Thick black hair, 10 fingers and toes. My own little seven pound, nine and a quarter ounce answer to countless prayers and years of effort. She was here. At this moment, I didn't even remember pushing. All I knew was that somehow, some way, God blessed me beyond measure, and now, after years of yearning, hoping, pleading, crying, and growing, Leanne McCoy was a mother. Never before had seven pounds, nine and a quarter ounces felt so heavy. This precious little baby girl was mine. 
Though my mouth couldn't make a sound, my heart cried out to God, how on earth will I ever be able to love her enough? How will I teach her your ways? How will I be her mother? Oh God, how will I lead her to become all you've already purposed for her to become? How will I endure her pain? How can I guide her to choose you above all else? What responsibility is mine? What an overwhelming burden is mine. She was a clean slate. Her life had no pain, no joy, no tears, no laughter. She had only one little bit of history, her long labor and her safe arrival. Beyond that, she had me and Tom. She had every blessing God had blessed us with and the promise of a future. What she becomes depends entirely on the people who enter into her life and the experiences she encounters, the choices that she makes. And at that moment, I knew that I was perhaps the most significant other in her precious little life. I would make the first, most powerful mark on that clean slate. What an overwhelming responsibility for me. Oh, how good God is to allow us mothers to experience the birthing of life. When Michael was about a month old, I called my own mother and I said, Mama, I have just discovered something. What's that, honey? Well, I've just realized that all those letters of appreciation that I wrote to you in college and all those times that I have felt so indebted to you because you unselfishly toted me to art classes, band practices, church and school events, parties, I just realized that it's okay. What's okay? Well, it's okay. Everything you did for me, I don't ever have to repay you. Huh? No, I don't have to do a thing. I don't have to say thank you for all those things you did for me. Well, you don't. How's that? Well, Mom, sitting here looking at Michael, I just realized that I am enough. What? I'm enough. You know, Mama, just me. I mean, to be me, to be your daughter, and to call you Mama. That's enough. Right, my mom laughed. (laughs) It was silly, I know, and I still try best to honor my mother with tangible expressions of my deep appreciation. I mean, we all love that, don't we? But what I was trying to say was if Michael, Kaylee, or TJ never did anything anyone thought was terrific, or if worse, if they did something unimaginably terrible, I could never love them more, and I could never love them less. Here's how it works. A mother's love is unconditional. Now, we may not like our sons and daughters sometimes, and they certainly have the ability to grieve us. In fact, the other day, Tom said, children are the gifts that just keep on grieving. (laughs) Can't that sometimes be true? They certainly do have the ability to grieve us, but lose our love? There is no way on God's green earth that can ever happen. Even mothers who've received their children through the amazing, miraculous work of adoption can agree with this truth. A mother's love is unconditional. God lets us experience motherhood so that we would understand his own love for us. Consider Isaiah 49 verses 14 through 16. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. And the Lord responds, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, 
I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. The Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. Have you ever felt this way? God uses the analogy of a nursing mother to nail down a fact. Even these, even these nursing mothers may forget, but I will not forget you. Now, I've just told you something about birthing babies. Let me tell you something about nursing them. When I teach at places where I know only women are hearing me, I go into all sorts of details about nursing babies. But for the sake of what might possibly be a co-ed audience out here in podcast world, I'm going to spare you those details. Let me suffice it to say that God has the best ideas. He gave us exactly what our babies needed in the exact quantity they need it in, in the perfect to-go containers. The only thing you need to know for me to make my point is this. A woman cannot biologically forget her nursing child. If she were so absent-minded that one day she woke up, totally forgot about that labor and delivery, as if that were possible. And if she were so loving that she took off toward her day with no thought of her child, and her, I'm here to tell you, her to-go containers would remind her, ah, there's a baby that needs to be fed. <laughs> And to further emphasize his point, Isaiah goes on to say that even if a mother could forget that baby, God will not forget you. God will not forget you. He will not pass you by. He hears you when you cry. And let me also add that even if you have forgotten him, he will not forget you. Or does he? I want to tell you about another mother. Her story's in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Jesus left Galilee. I'm going to read those verses out of the New Living Translation. Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of, God, of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and she worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall from their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Now, I have to confess to you that I've had a hard time with this story for a lot of years. Why on earth would Jesus ignore her? Why did this mama have to beg? It's certainly not characteristic of him to behave this way. But Matthew and Mark tell us that this Syrophoenician woman begged Jesus on her daughter's behalf. I guarantee there are people listening to this podcast today who know what this is like. You've been praying for that child since you knew you were pregnant. When he was no bigger than a polka dot, you were talking to your heavenly father about him because you're his mama. This mother found Jesus, and even though he kept walking, she followed and shouted after him, Jesus, 
My daughter needs help. Jesus, did you hear me? It's my girl. She's in trouble, Lord. Why aren't you talking to me, Jesus? Oh, please have mercy. It's my daughter. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly possessed by demons. And finally, Jesus stopped. Phew, I thought you'd never stop, she could have said. But no, she humbly listened as Jesus responded. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus wanted her to hear him say what his disciples were already thinking. You see, the disciples didn't offer to help this woman. or They didn't offer to bring her to Jesus, nor did they ask Jesus to help her. They asked him to send her away. Jesus' disciples, they never thought to stop and comfort her, to reassure her, to say, hey, I know Jesus. I'll bring you to him. They didn't think about bridging the gap between the man who could heal and the woman who needed his healing. Could Jesus have been testing his disciples? Could he have remained silent to the woman's desperate cry to see what his followers would do? Could it be that God seemingly remains silent to some of our desperate cries today because he's waiting and watching to see what his people, his church, will do? I can't help but imagine that this mother might have written a long and flowing prayer sprinkled with promises from the Old Testament complete with three points and a poem. But by the time Jesus finally stopped, she was so weary from all of her pleading that her beautifully scripted prayer was long forgotten and all she could muster was, Lord, help me. The most powerful prayer you can ever pray is a prayer of complete dependence and total reliance on the mercy of God. The Syrophoenician woman knew that she wasn't one of those you see, she knew she was a, a Jew. She didn't belong to the house of Israel, and she never could. You had to be born into that house. The requirements were rigid, and the rules were strict. It's not good to take the children's bread, throw it to the dogs, Jesus said. And although this sounded like a no, not today, the little girl's mother refused to hear that answer. Instead, as she listened to Jesus' honest statement, perhaps his tone of voice. She simply replied, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. This Gentile or Syrophoenician woman could not impress Jesus with her lineage. She couldn't trace her ancestry back to David or Abraham. She didn't appeal to him based on her good works or even her persistent shouting. Instead, she entered herself into Jesus's word picture, clothed in the humble wrapping of a hungry dog begging from his master's table. You'd have to understand Jewish culture back then. The Pharisees and Sadducees were so arrogant and the Jewish tradition was so strong that they had a strong prejudice against anyone and everyone who was un-Jew or Gentile. They treated them as outcasts, as lesser people, kind of like the People in India treat the Dalits. These are the toilet scrubber, scrubbers, the lowest in their society. They're the lowest caste. 
of the people in the Hindu faith for no other reason but that they were simply born that way. It's a leaning into a to a kind of religion that just throws ourselves with no responsibility over to this sovereign God-like um, figure that just does as he pleases rather than the God we know who is the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, who invites us into partnership, loving partnership, companionship with him. There are no outcasts. Jesus' disciples must have considered this woman and her, pro- her problem not on their schedule of important things to do that day. Maybe they were on vacation. If you look at the maps in the back of your Bible, you'll see that the region of Tyre and Sidon are outside of Jesus' normal area of ministry in Galilee. Maybe they were getting away to be by themselves and they just didn't want to be bothered. But most likely, they didn't think to plead on this Syrophoenician woman's behalf because she didn't have the proper ID. She wasn't part of the family. She wasn't part of the special people. We don't do that today, do we? I mean, we all know that we come to the cross with nothing to contribute. We come desperate and empty and willing to be filled with God's unmerited favor and his amazing grace. And if that is the case, why is it that even American Christians spend enough money on dog food to wipe out hunger in the most desperate of African nations? Why is it that America's Christians collect their Bible study materials and get together in classrooms to engage in deep discussion of ancient truth, sometimes spending hours in such discourse, but they neglect to spend 20 minutes a day building relationships with the neighbor who doesn't know Jesus personally. If we're not like the disciples, then why is it that we spend more money on entertainment than we do on God's kingdom work? Why is it that we will give our Friday nights and Saturdays to all of our children's ball games and add two more weekday nights for practices then get offended when the churches expect us to give them four or maybe just two hours on a Sunday morning. Is it possible that just like the disciples, we become consumers of God's goodness rather than co-laborers with him in the sharing of his love? Send her away, Lord. She's bothering us. After all, she's just a dog. We're sitting pretty with seats of honor at the banquet table of the Lord. And from where I'm sitting... It's easy to ignore the whines of those mangy mutts. That could have been what the disciples were thinking. No, my dear woman who is now hoarse from crying out after the Lamb of God, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Oh, woman, your fate is great. How did Jesus know that? It sounds like to me her humility was great. After all, she clothed herself in the humble, desperate, flea-infested fur of a begging intruder. But Jesus commended her faith, not her humility, because she knew the crumbs that fell would be more than enough to meet her desperate need. This mother didn't need a seat of honor, and she didn't need a plate full of bountiful blessing. She understood that even the slightest nod, the simplest word, the tiniest morsel of God's goodness would be more than enough for her precious daughter. 
My dear praying friend, do you know that? My desperate mother who's been calling after Jesus for years on behalf of your son or daughter, do you realize that even the crumbs that might fall from his table, those crumbs are more than enough to meet your desperate need. I've got sticky notes. I, I, I do sticky note warfare. I think I've talked to you about it before. If I haven't, it's the easiest, most practical, and very powerful forms of strategic spiritual warfare that you can participate in. I literally write promises from God's word on a yellow sticky note, and I stick it where I can see it. That's as practical as it gets. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Jeremiah 32, 17, print it on the note, stick it on the wall. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Genesis 18, 14, put that one right above the other one. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Jeremiah 17, 7. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 19. Lord, just let me have a crumb. That will be enough. I know I can't impress you with my lineage, my good behavior, or my service. I am nothing compared to you in all your glory. But even a dog like me can be more than satisfied with a crumb from you. Be it done for you as you wish, Jesus said. And her daughter was healed at once. A mother's love. Mothers, you go girl. Does Jesus seem to be walking on and ignoring your cry? Keep shouting. Your sons and daughters depend on your voice. And in his good time, he will scatter so many crumbs on you that you'll have more than enough on their behalf. Daughters of the King, know this, God's love is unconditional. You cannot ever do anything to make him stop loving you. As a mother, you're gonna say things that you wish you hadn't. You're gonna do things you shouldn't do, but always and forever, you will continue to love your sons and daughters simply because they're yours. You loved them when all they did was make you sick. <laughs> You love them when all they did was make you fat. You love them when all they did was keep you awake at night. You love them when all they did was make the dirty diapers you had to change. And you won't ever stop loving him. You won't ever stop loving her. But don't leave this podcast without wrapping your heart around this very truth. God loves you so much. He loved you when all your sin made him sick. He loved you when you nailed his son to the cross. He loved you when he came to life again, and he has never, ever stopped loving you. Oh God, wrap our minds and our hearts around the truth of your love. If there is a desperate mother or father listening today, touch them with the assurance of your love and fan into a flame the hope that they are placing in you when they come crying on behalf of their child. If there's anyone who happens to be listening to the Prayer Clinic podcast who thinks that you will be just fine on your own, anyone who maybe has been disappointed at how Christ followers have reflected Christ, 
then let God speak to your heart today. And Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would convince these who've been disillusioned and disappointed by our misbehavior. Lord, we're asking you to convince them of their desperate need for you and bring them to a real understanding that apart from accepting your forgiveness of their sin, made possible by Jesus' death on the cross, they are destined for a life that is far less than it ever could be with you. Allow them to hunger for the bounty that only you offer and show them how to take a seat at your banquet table by receiving Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And Lord, for those who know you well, the ones who have a personal relationship already and who follow you daily, Father, slow us down so that we will take note of the cries of desperate mothers, fathers, girls, and boys surrounding us. Give us hearts of compassion that bring desperate people to you rather than ignoring them when they cry. And Lord, help us to remember that even if we are card-carrying members of the kingdom of God, we are still not better than mangy mutts. Even if we've attained the status of a certified teacher, seminary degreed, ordained, or experienced minister, we still come to your table, flee, infested, and desperately lost, except by the blood of Jesus Christ, who makes us clean and sets us in seats of honor. And finally, Lord, increase my faith so that no matter what life is serving me here, and no matter how long you seem to be silent, I can leave your house today, this presence, this place that I am with you. I can leave this place today confident that even the crumbs that fall from your banquet table are more than enough for me. My praying friends, let me remind you of 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Can you say it with me? Amen. So be it. Thank you, Lord, for a mother's love and for a father's crumbs. Thank you, my praying people. I hope that you have enjoyed this month focusing in on mothers and on prayer and on the faithfulness of God. Um, I'll be back next week. I'll have something for you. But very soon in mid-June and be sharing these podcasts, send them to a friend, send this one to a mother who may be begging for Jesus to answer her desperate cry and um, believe with her, help shoulder her burden, and trust Jesus with her. Um, share these podcasts. Please give us a rating that helps us. Give us um, and subscribe. And then also invite your friends and join us this summer when we begin to really get down into the nitty gritty of spiritual warfare. We become armed and dangerous with our five smooth stones. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Prayer Clinic Podcast. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, take a minute to give us a rating, subscribe if you haven't already, and please share this with a friend. There's no doubt that you know someone who could use the encouragement that we've shared today. I'm Leanne McCoy, founder of the Prayer Clinic Ministry, and I'm on a mission to mobilize our churches to pray. Don't forget that when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. Check out the show notes for today's episode to um, get access to any of the links connected to our guest or uh, connected with the prayer clinic ministry. I look forward to being with you next time. Keep on praying, my praying people.